there, and welcome to Proverbs 31 Wannabe, where we discuss biblical womanhood in our constantly busy and sometimes crazy daily life. I'm Alexis Heaslip, and as a wife and mother of two, I am always striving and praying to be a Proverbs 31 woman of faith. Today is a really fun and exciting day because I'm going to be starting a new series on women in the Bible who have had an impact on my walk with Jesus. We're going to have so much fun talking about all the amazing, inspiring, and sometimes crazy stories that are in the Bible and of different women who really loved the Lord. And to start things off, I am starting with a person in the Bible who has just got my heart from a young age, ever since the Veggie Tales movie on Esther, Esther has stolen my heart. And I am so excited to kick off this series on women in the Bible by talking about Esther with you guys. So let's dive on in, y'all. It's going to be good. All right. So we are going to be diving into the book of Esther, my favorite, favorite favorite story about a woman and what is so exciting and just first thing to point out in the book of Esther is that there are only two books in the Bible that are named after a woman that's the book of Ruth and we're going to get to her on another episode and she's also fabulous and the book of Esther so that's the first thing I want to point out this is one of one of only two books in the Bible that is named after and about a woman specifically. And this is such a well-known story. I feel like Esther is a story that is so well-known and so loved because it shows how our Lord can use anyone, whether male or female, to do his will. And that is exactly what the theme of this whole uh, story, this true story is about, is about doing the will of God. And um, I'm sure you guys know that this super famous verse from the book of Esther, um, Esther chapter 4, verse 14, which basically says, For if you fail to speak up now, relief and deliverance, will come to the Jews from a different direction, but you and your family and your father's family will perish. Who knows whether you didn't come into your world position for such a time as this. For such a time as this. And to give some background, I know it's a really really well-known story, but to give some background, what am I even talking about? For such a time as this. For such a time for what? So... The story of Esther takes place after the Babylonian captivity and once the Persians conquered Babylon. And the Jewish people then had the opportunity to go back to Israel at this point. But a lot of the Jewish people decided to stay where they were. And so there were a lot of Jewish people 
in the Persian Empire, living and working and going to school and being a part of the community in the Persian Empire. And this is where we meet Esther. And she um, was an orphan, and her uncle Mordecai uh, raised her as his own child. And what happened was there is this king. Now, his name, um, we, we call him Xerxes. Uh, some people known him as Ahasuerus. And he was not a good man. The king of Persia was not a good man. He did not know God. And he held this big feast for oh, over a hundred, about 180 days. And he partied and he drank and he was trying to convince his advisors to go to war. And they were all drunk at a table one day. Basically, they'd been drinking. And he wanted, demanded that his queen Vashti come out with her crown to basically dance and seduce the men at his table to show the beauty of her so that hopefully they will do what he wants politically. And um, Queen Vashti told the king no. And that's just not something that you do. You don't tell the king of the Persian Empire no. And he was so mad, the king was, that he had her banish and he declared that women need to listen to their husbands and obey everything that men say and kicked Vashi out and then decided he was going to find himself a new wife. Okay, this is where it all starts. Now, this is where Esther comes in because Esther was a young virgin girl, never married, never been with a man, and the king ordered all the virgins in the whole kingdom to come to the palace, whether they want it to or not, and go through basically like a contest, a beauty contest, and from all the virgins in the land, he will choose his new queen. And Esther found favor with the king, and she became queen of all of Persia. Now, Esther kind of left some information out on her dating profile, right? She did not tell anybody in the palace that she was Jewish. And this is really important later on. And the whole story of Esther could have been completely avoided if somebody earlier in the Bible, earlier in the New Testament, would have listened and followed the will of God. So... Is any of you, are any of you familiar with some guy named Saul? I know I am. Um, and what's really fascinating is this whole fiasco that's about to potentially take place in Esther could have been avoided if Saul had done the will of God. But he didn't. So, I want you guys, it's in 1 Samuel and it's in chapters 14 and 15. And we see here how because Saul didn't obey God and didn't follow the will of God, 
that mm, the things that are about to take place could have been avoided, right? So Saul is trying to protect the Israelites. He was king at this time. So this is before David was king in 1 Samuel 14, right? And he pursued these people called the Agagites, okay? The Agagites. And these people were not nice people. They did not obey God. They mocked God. And these people God was so sad with. And they were supposed to be destroyed. So I'm going to read through 1 Samuel 15. If you'll open up the Bible to 1 Samuel 15. It says, Then Samuel said to Saul, Adonai sent me to anoint you as king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore, listen to the voice of the words of Adonai. Thus says Adonai, I remember what Amalek did to Israel, how he sent himself against him on the way while he was coming up from Egypt. Now go and strike down Amalek and put all he has under the ban of destruction. Have no pity on him. Kill both men and women, children and infants, oxen and sheep, camels and donkeys. So Saul summoned the troops, 200,000 soldiers, 10,000 men of Judah. Saul advanced to the city of Amalek and lay it in waste. And Saul said to the Canaanites, go depart, go down from among the Amalekites, or else I may destroy them with you. But, you showed kindness to all of us when we came up from Egypt. So the Canaanites withdrew from the Amalekites, and Saul struck them down. And he captured King Agag of, Am- of Amalek alive, and he utterly destroyed all the people by the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag, as well as the best of the sheep, cattle, even the fatlings and lambs, and all that was good, since they were not willing to utterly destroy them. Everything that was worthless and feeble, they destroyed completely. Then the word of Adonai came to Samuel saying, I regret I made Saul king for he has turned back from following me and has not carried out my commands. So Samuel was troubled and cried out to Adonai all night long. Then Samuel rose again in the early, in the morning But it was reported to Samuel saying, Saul went to Carmel for some reason and erected a monument for himself. Now Samuel reached Saul and Saul said, blessed are you of Adonai, I've carried out his commands. But Samuel said, then what is this bleeding of sheep in my ears and the lowing of oxen I hear? They brought them from the Amalekites, Saul replied, for the people spared the best of sheep and oxen to sacrifice to Adonai your God. But the rest we have utterly destroyed. Stop, Samuel said. Let me tell you what Adonai said to me last night. Say on, he said. Then Samuel said, isn't it true that you are insignificant in your own eyes, that you are made head of the tribes of Israel? Adonai anointed you king over Israel. Then he sent you on a mission and said, go destroy everything from the Amalekites. But you did not obey the voice of Adonai. And you were greedy on the spoils, doing what is evil in his eyes. But I did obey the voice of God, Saul said to Samuel. 
I went on the mission and brought back Agag the king and utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took some of the spoil, the best of what was under the ban of destruction, to sacrifice to him in Gilgag. But Samuel said, Does he delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of him? Behold, to obey is better than to sacrifice, to pay heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and stubbornness is like iniquity and idolatry. Since you have rejected Adonai's words, he has rejected you as king. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned because I have not obeyed the word of God. So please pardon my sin and return with me that I may worship him. But Saul, uh, Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you because you've rejected the word of Adonai. And Adonai has rejected you as king over Israel. And then Saul tore his robe. And Samuel said, Adonai has torn the kingship over Israel from you today and has given it to your neighbor who is better than you. Moreover, the eternal glory, glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind, for he is not human that he should change his mind. But then Saul said, I have sinned, but please honor me now before the elders of my people and before Israel and return with me until I bow and worship Adonai your God. So Samuel returned after Saul, and Saul bowed to worship Adonai. Then Samuel said, Bring me Agag, the king of Amalek. Agag approached him. Surely bitter death is back. Then Samuel said, As your sword has made women childless, so will your mother be childless among them. Then Samuel cut Agag into pieces before Adonai and Gilgag. Samuel then went to Ramah, where Saul went up to his house. Samuel never saw Saul again until the day of his death. Yet Samuel mourned over Saul while Adonai regretted he had made Saul king. So, this is the backdrop, okay? This is the backdrop of this story that we are about to hear. You see, because Saul disobeyed God, this allowed for descendants of Agag to continue to live and continue to thrive and continue to hate the Israelite people. And this leads us to a nasty, nasty man named Haman. Haman was the king's right-hand man. He was second in charge of the kingdom of all of Persia. And he wanted everybody to bow to him. But Esther's uncle Mordecai would not. And that made him furious. And so he went to the king. And he said, there are these people who live in our community that do not listen to you. They do their own thing. They listen to their own laws and they don't respect you as king. I want to get rid of these people and put an end to them and destroy every single Jew in Persia. And the king, because he was a prideful, sinful man, said, here, Haman, here is my ring. Do whatever you want. And so Haman went out and plotted to destroy every Jew living in Persia. And at the same time, 
Esther's still queen. Esther, a Jewish woman herself, sat on the throne. And when Mordecai told her what was going to happen, that is when we hear her say, what am I supposed to do? The king hasn't come to me. I haven't been called to the king in months. And if I go to the king without being called, it is his right to have me killed. And then Mordecai, as we see in the beginning that I read, as, um, he told Esther, don't suppose that merely because you happen to be in the royal palace that you will escape any more than the other Jews. For if you fail to speak now, relief and deliverance will come to the Jews from a different direction, but you and your father's family will perish. Who knows whether you didn't come into your royal position precisely for such a time as this. What's really interesting about uh, the book of Esther is that the name of God is not mentioned at all throughout this story. But isn't it obvious just how much God stirred in the story? And he used Saul's disobedience and the Agagites' diso- a hatred for the Jewish people to rekindle um, a fire for the Jewish people and rekindle a, a praise. You'll see at the end of, of remembrance of God's faithfulness to his people. And the story continues. Esther musters up her courage. She goes to the king and he extended his scepter so she wasn't beheaded. And she invites her husband, the king, and Haman, the number two guy in all of Persia, to come to a feast. And oh boy, did this inflate Haman's head even bigger. He was so happy. And he went and he bragged to his family. He bragged to his wife. But as he was going along, Mordecai wouldn't bow to him again. And that really made him mad. So his wife and friend suggested, build gallows in our yard and let's hang Mordecai on that. And he thought that was a great, splendid idea. And then went to the king and he was about to ask the king permission to kill Mordecai. And you see God move in this irony. He asked the king, uh, was going through his records and couldn't sleep. So he was going through old records and he realized he never honored Mordecai for reporting about people trying to kill him. And Mordecai saved the king's life. And so the king wanted to honor Mordecai. And Haman went to go speak to him. But before he could talk to him, the king asked him, what should I do to honor somebody who has done me a great service, basically? And of course, Haman thought the king was asking about himself. And so Haman gives this bold scene where the king should put um, this person on the royal horse and parade him through the streets to shout, look at what this person has done for the king. And because Haman thought it was going to be for himself, of course, because he was arrogant and prideful. And 
the king looks at him and says, that sounds great. Go do that for Mordecai the Jew. And you have to be the one to parade him through the streets. How hilarious was that? That just shows me that God really does have a sense of humor. And so, begrudgingly, Haman did just that and was really, really upset. So, that happens, and then Esther has her feast. And at first, she didn't tell the king her request, so she invited Haman and Mordecai back for a second uh, feast. And at that point in her second feast, she begs for the life of herself and her people, reveals to the king that she's Jewish, and ultimately ends up saving her people from utter destruction. Haman ends up, ironically, being hanged on the very post that he built for Mordecai. And the king declared that the Jewish people had the right to defend themselves against anyone who was going to attack them on the day that Haman gave permission to annihilate the Jewish people in Persia. Because of this, because of Esther's willingness to speak up, even when it was uncomfortable, even when she could have lost her life, her people were spared. And the Jewish people to this day celebrate this remembrance of God's mercy, of his faithfulness, and it is called the Feast of Purim. And this is why the days have been called Purim after the word pur, which um, meant like it was like a casting because Haman had them roll the dice to see what day this would be. And they, because per means to cast lots, and Haman cast lots. So per rim, it was like casting lots um, to see when to destroy the Jews. So every year, even to today, the Jewish people celebrate the Feast of Purim. And every year, the Jewish people read the book of Esther out loud and remember the courage that Esther had to speak up. And you see, that is truly why I love this story. Because it just shows us that as people who love God, as people who love the Lord, we need to speak up when there is injustice. What a powerful statement that is. And it wasn't just for the men to speak up either. I feel like so many people have this idea that the Bible puts women down and shoves them in a corner. And that's the furthest thing from the truth. This story just shows us that God uses everybody. God can use anybody, even an orphan. For such a time as this, we have been placed on this earth. God has a mission for us. And that is why it is so important for us to keep praying daily and to dive into his word so that unlike Saul and like Esther, we can follow the will of God 
for such a time as this. Lord, I thank you for the beautiful and empowering story of Esther. Thank you for showing us that we are here for such a time as this to speak up for the vulnerable and to show your love to everyone. Lord, thank you for reminding us in Genesis 12, verse 3, that you will bless those who bless you and you will curse anyone who curses you. And by all you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Lord, you love us so much. And you love everyone. It doesn't matter, man or woman, old or young. You love everybody. Thank you for giving us some amazing women in your word to look to as examples of how to be strong women of faith. Lord, I pray that as we continue this journey, diving into your word about women and our role on this earth, that we are just filled with grace, we are filled with confidence, and that we can be voices for those in need. Lord, I love you. I praise you. Amen. Thank you for listening to Proverbs 31 Wannabe. We hope you enjoyed the program. If you can, please uh, find us on Apple Podcasts, rate and review us, leave us all the stars, um, comment, and let us know what you think. We would love to hear from you guys. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram and check out our website at www.proverbs31wannabe.com. Um, next week is really exciting. We are going to be diving in to Ruth and her commitment to the Lord. I am so excited to dive on, on this new series of women of faith. Until then... This is Alexis Heeslip, and I hope you have a fabulous rest of your day. God bless. Mm-hmm.